Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to our show today. Randy, we're continuing our series on the seven desires of the heart, and today we arrive at the fourth desire that Debbie and I describe, um, the desire to be safe. And what exactly does the desire to be safe include? Well, I'm fixing to talk about it here All right. during the show. <laughs> Y'all. <laughs> Y'all. <laughs> Why am I getting into my southern accent? I think it is because, I just figured that out, I think it is because those of us that struggle with anxiety, and I'm one of them, my genetic uh, susceptibility to anxiety comes from my mother's side of the family, I think, and uh, they were all from the South, so that's where my southern accent comes Okay, in. so we'll pretend like all of that makes sense. Go ahead. Well, proceed. <laughs> proceed. Uh, the desire to be safe is about, uh, really, uh, the desire to be free of worry, fear, anxiety, um, the desire to feel like uh, bad things are not going to happen to us. And uh, it's also, the desire to be safe is all about that wanting we have to be free of uh, anxiety and fear, but it's also about all the things that we do, therefore, uh, that will even symbolically uh, create in us a perception that we're safe. And we're going to get to maybe some examples of that. Well, it's interesting because that particular desire seems to be hand-in-hand hand with a person's self-confidence. You know, if, 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 you, uh, if you experience that uh, sensation of being safe, it seems to, to lead to a, a stream of conscious positivity. Well, that's, that's you know, people who struggle with uh, chronic anxiety do tend to be on the negative side of things because they're kind of always imagining the worst. Uh, that's what anxious people do. They tend to project into the future, imagine the worst-case scenarios. Uh, they want to prepare and plan for that so that the, it doesn't happen. So they, they can tend to be on the negative side uh, of things. They're, they're somewhat hard to be around because they're always going to be worried about stuff. And what's usually at the heart of that, of that feeling? You know, it's interesting. One of the great theologians, Paul Tillich, talked about the fact that... Uh, there are some certain basic anxieties. There are certain core anxieties. Uh, I'm not going to get into all the academic language that he used to describe it, but I think uh, one of the greatest anxieties, don't you think, uh, Randy, when, when we stop to pause to wonder about it is, do we not all at some level fear death? You know, Do we not fear um, being sick? Uh, uh, any kind of consequences in our life that would lead to death, uh, whether it's health consequences or you know, other things out there in life. And uh, I think that's one of the major anxieties. Now, people listening, they may say, you know, I don't sit around on a daily basis and think about death. Well, the truth of it is down deep in your soul, you're thinking about it because uh, uh, there are certain things that we all do in, in life to remain safe. Yeah, you take great precautions to, uh, to avoid the situation. I find myself as a father of two sons... Uh, my anxiety about such things won't come uh, particularly worrying about myself, but it will be as your young sons are leaving for the evening with friends. You know, the, my anxiety will be, you know, 
we always say, you know, be safe, be smart. Right. And mm-hmm. and that's, you know, all you're hoping for while they are gone with their friends that night is that they're making good decisions. But there is a true anxiety that is there because, uh, you know, sometimes geographically it even fits into it because here we are uh, in Minnesota and uh, and to have your your kids going out on a winter's night with icy roads mm-hmm. and uh, and knowing that uh, not quite sure what the night's activities will bring but there's a definite uh, uh, anxiety there hoping for their safety and uh, you know fearing that something uh, may take place that would be um, detrimental to them well, you know, I think some of that is instinctual. I, I think it's it's part of our genetic makeup to, as parents, protect uh, the offspring, uh, to reproduce the race and maintain the race. That's part of our survival instinct. I think there's also a, another, you know, this uh, guy, Paul Tillich, that I was talking about. Another one of the anxieties that he talked about is the anxiety about being all alone. So if we're worried about... Uh, maintaining relationships if we're worried about other people leaving us and and uh, you know leaving us all alone whether they they die or just you know uh, get rid of us somehow um, there is an anxiety I think that all of us have about being all alone it's actually one of the anxieties we're born with you know uh, when we come out of the chute and come out of this warm protective nurturing environment then all of a sudden I think one of the earliest anxieties we uh, experience is that anxiety of being being alone. I think we all have anxieties about uh, ultimate meanings in life and so forth. Uh, I'm not going to get into all this systematic theological stuff except to say that I think if our listeners would pause for a moment and just wonder to themselves, you know, um, what are some of the classic things in their life that cause them the greatest amount of fear? And uh, they notice uh, that when they are approaching certain activities or certain events in life, it creates a great deal of anxiety. What is that anxiety all about? Well, down deep at the core, we all desire to, at some level, be safe. And what do you tell clients when you have identified the fact that they are struggling with such uh, anxieties? And a lot of times, not justifiably so. I mean, mm. you know, you see that they are worried about things that are totally out of their control. It's really a what-if scenario, and uh, and sometimes it's a real stretch when you when you finally identify the types of things that they are really shaking in their boots about. Well, I think uh, ultimately, you know, one of the things we're going to want to work with all of our people about is that the the, the final solution to anxiety is a deep sense of surrender and uh, surrender of control and a faith in God that he is the one who protects us, you know, even after death, you know, there is something there to uh, look forward to. So, you know, the ultimate uh, antidote to anxiety is uh, uh, spiritual faith and spiritual acts of surrender. There's no question about it. Now, try to tell a person who's having a panic attack that, and, uh, you know, they... they (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> may not quite get that at that moment. But that's a key point that you make there because I have often thought, you know, in times of trouble, in times of great concern, I have always wondered how does someone uh, deal with these stressful times without faith? Because, you know, personally for myself, it is my faith in God that gets me through Every single one of those times, I am able to calm my own self down by, you know, by reminding myself that this is all in God's hand. That God has a plan. 
I truly mm. believe that. Mm. And, uh, you know, and that uh, he's in control, not myself. One of my favorite movies, uh, we were talking about movies in this show. This they provide series. great analogies for us. That's all right. Well, there's a movie that was made about the great Civil War General Stonewall Jackson called Gods and Generals. And uh, there is a scene as that uh, career of his develops during the Civil War in which there is the first battle of what the Southerners would call Manassas and the Northerners would call Bull Run, the first battle of Bull Run, um, in which it looked like the, uh, the Union forces were going to have their way with the Confederates uh, uh, move on to Richmond and have a very quick conclusion to the Civil War, which we all know did not happen. What did happen was that at some point Stonewall Jackson with one of his Virginia brigades stepped into a breach. Stonewall Jackson sitting on his horse was evidently the picture of calmness and serenity, and he was directing his troops to to fill in the gaps, and they reversed the the tide of the battle. Um, Later on, one of the writers about this said, there stood Jackson like a stone wall, and that's where he got his uh, name, Stonewall Jackson. Well, in the movie, there's a scene in which his assistant or his adjutant is walking with him around the battlefield, and there's all this carnage and all these dead people lying around, and and uh, his his uh, assistant says to him, uh, General, how was it that uh, in the middle of this battle with bullets literally whizzing around your head, you were able to remain perfectly calm? And uh, he looks at the guy and he says, well, I consider in my faith that God has appointed the day of my death. And whatever happened today or whatever happens tomorrow, I have absolutely no control over that. So that if I just uh, allow myself to trust the fact that God's in control of my life, then I can be brave. And uh, he said, if every soldier felt this way, every soldier would be equally brave. And I've always liked that. It's like if we do consider the fact that God's in control, not us, it does tend to have an effect on helping us with our sense of anxiety. That's a point we want to leave you to ponder with. Uh, As we go to break, you're listening to Dr. Mark Laser on the Men of Valor program, and we'll be right back. Know my voice, and I'll believe in grace and choice. And I know perhaps my heart is fast, but I'll be born without a mind. Do you struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops, led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at FaithfulAndTrue.com to learn more. That's FaithfulAndTrue.com I was weaker from the start You'll build your walls Now we'll play my bloody part 
tear, tear them down. Well, I'm gonna tear, tear them down. 'Cause I know my weakness, know my voice, and I'll believe in grace and choice. Time now for the trigger of the week. Trigger of the week, Randy, was uh, given to us by one of our listeners who emailed this one in, and uh, we're just going to accept it on face value. Um, well, you go ahead. You were the well, one that read these emails. Well, and I received them, and we uh, invite our listeners to submit ideas for the Trigger of the Week at info at faithfulandtrue.com. And we appreciate uh, your suggestions and your input. This particular one is a uh, very synonymous with uh, the summertime. And uh, by the summertime, I mean in, in Minnesota, that is road construction time of year, in which uh, the potholes created by the uh, harsh winters around here are being repaired. There's a lot of road work being done. And uh, the listener suggested the idea that uh, with all of these highway construction sites set up and the orange cones and the slowdown and stop signs. It seems that the construction crews have always assigned some attractive young lady to be the stop sign, yield sign holder. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, as uh, as he was driving through this construction site, he was struck by um, such a young lady. And Well, it does seem to me stereotypical that on a construction crew... Uh, they will be a little bit patriarchal and assign that duty to the whatever female is on the crew. So, uh, but anyway, he was saying that he was, you know, of course, when you go through these construction sites, you're already aggravated, agitated, and and uh, impatient because you've been slowed down, misdirected, detoured, whatever has happened. Uh, you're taking five times as long to get wherever you need to go, and then all of a sudden, some attractive woman pops up. Uh, makes it a little bit harder to resist that trigger of the week, I guess. That's exactly uh, the point, and we appreciate that being submitted to us. I think, you know, the uh, trigger of the week points to those of us that are kind of bugged, agitated, and ag aggravated by traffic, by people on the highways, by people on the roads. And I, I know for me what it's about, partially at least, is that I hate to be late. Being late causes me a great deal of anxiety. And... Uh, I will try to control the clock, and uh, uh, members of my family, including our engineer on this program today, can tell you that one of the greatest anxieties I have about being late is getting to the airport, and I will get to the airport on most occasions at least two hours ahead of when the flight is scheduled to leave. That means I'll be at the airport, past security, and sitting in some lounge or wherever it is, um, and there was a time uh, somewhere early on in my my travel career and speaking career where I missed a flight down in New Orleans, I think, and it caused me to actually miss a speech. I created the uh, the scene in my head where uh, there was an audience anticipating my arrival, like a thousand people, and uh, I didn't make it there. There, they, they, there were people aggravated and angry with me, even though it wasn't my fault at that point. It was the airline's fault. But, you know, there, there are events in life that I think sometimes create... Um, almost like a PTSD response to certain uh, things that go on. And I know one of mine is, you know, controlling getting to the airport on time, you know, so that I won't miss a flight ever again. 
I think that's a fairly common one. I think that I share a bit of that, maybe not to the same level as you do, but uh, I experienced it uh, yeah, last Thursday. I had a flight to Dallas, Texas, and I was early like you were, and I parked in the long-term parking and made it through security and got to my gate, only to find one other person there and no gate agent, at which time I asked the person if they were also going to Dallas, and she said, yes, but they told me when I checked in, that our flight is three and a half hours delayed. Oh. Uh, so, so then the other side of the coin of being early like, uh, like you are is you occasionally uh, are at the mercy of the airlines. And uh, as it turned out, it ended up being closer to four and a half hours delayed. But back to our subject, uh, those anxieties do occur. Well, yeah. And I think uh, for those of us that grew up in some level of chaos, uh, by chaos, I mean, you know, families where, you know, there wasn't that much order, there wasn't that much discipline, even to the point of, you know, the physical surroundings being kind of chaotic and all of that kind of thing. We grew up with some level of physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, alcoholism, drug dependency, addictions of all sorts. Uh, you know, we grew up with uh, a kind of a, a sense of lack of safety. Uh, there are families that grew up that didn't... Uh, have an assurance that they, you know, would have things to eat or where they were going to live. I mean, so many stories right now of uh, the people that have come here uh, for help are flashing through my brain about, you know, uh, how families can be very um, chaotic that way. I think the brain actually has a way of developing that part of the brain that controls anxiety. If we grow up in relative security, I think it has a positive number on that part of the brain. If we grow up in relative chaos, uh, uh, it has a damaging effect on that part of the brain. And I think given the fact that uh, one of the greatest anxieties is the anxiety of being all alone, depending on how those people who uh, cared for us and loved us uh, you know, brought us up to, to be reliable. Uh, to, uh, in fact, you know, one of the first developmental tasks in life is to trust that mom can walk out of the room and that she will be back. Well, you know, we, we pretty much all come to trust that one. But emotionally, people leave and don't come back. Physically, sometimes people leave and don't come back. You know, that can sometimes be through divorce or death. Whatever your life circumstances as you're listening to this, you know, think about uh, your life and when you were growing up, did you, did you have a general sense of security and safety or did you have a general sense of anxiety and fear, even about food or shelter or the presence of loved ones in your life? Then when you get in touch with that, one of the questions to ask yourself is even early on, how did you learn to cope with that? If you, if you didn't have a sense of security, what are some of the things that you did to try to manipulate uh, safety? That's exactly what I was about to ask you. When you're counseling an individual who is uh, dealing with a shopping list of anxieties, where do you begin to encourage them to experience safety? Well, again, we talked about the spiritual part of this uh, earlier on, did we not, in this show? And that, uh, you know, it's obviously an act of spiritual surrender. I, ha I, I don't know. I like having fun with this one. I, I like pointing out to people some of the crazy things that we all do to try to order the universe, uh, try to control the universe. Um, a lot of the wives uh, around here have talked about the fact that, well, I cannot control my husband, but I can control dirt. So they, or so they think. By that, they become very good at cleaning or, 
you know, keeping the house in order. There, you know, if we have a great deal of anxiety, there's going to be certain things in life that symbolically represent to us we're in control. So they transfer their frustration with not being able to control their husband by controlling other aspects of their life. Yes, that's right. So, um, you know, as those who know me uh, are well aware, I mean, we all we all pick things out to control um, symbolically. For me, it's grass uh, in the summertime, leaves in the fall, and snow in the winter. I mean, it's quite convenient that if your grass is mowed, things seem right with the world. If the leaves are raked, things seem right with the world. If the snow is shoveled, things seem right with the world. Um, I, I'm not as bothered by things on the inside of the house, you know, like uh, Debbie would be if the laundry is done, if the house is picked up, if the food is put away, uh, you know, that would be more symbolic to her that things are well under control. So between the two of you, you really have it all. <laughs> Visit the Lasers home because it's all really being handled. Well, you know, I would say that we've both done a relatively good job of letting go of some of that, <laughs> <laughs> particularly lately. And certainly when you have kids, you have to let go of that to a certain sure. extent. Um, the point being that uh, what, do we, what do we try to control is a symbolic way of feeling in control. And around here, one of the things we see all the time is that we, we seek to control relationships. We, uh, this is one of the sources of codependency, meaning that uh, if I can placate you, uh, please you in such a way that you won't leave me, won't be angry with me, won't divorce me, will stay with me, you know, I'm going to really in some way sacrifice myself in order to keep you uh, appeased. So we, you have to be careful. This anxiety thing threatens us in, in, in terms of relationships and in terms of so many things. So as you are working with couples and encourage, encouraging them to, uh, to build this uh, trust with each other, do you find yourself also encouraging them to, uh, to look to that spiritual side that you talked about earlier? Because I think that confidence in an individual realizing that God has a plan for them yeah. and, and that, you know, um, mm. try to let go of trying to control the outcome right. of, of their life mm -hmm. and realizing that God has a plan and uh, rest assured it will all work out. Yeah, I think one of the uh, ultimate things we're trying to teach all of our clients, husbands and wives, I say teach, introduce them to the idea, the spiritual place that uh, we all have the ability to be alone and okay if... Uh, we have a faith in God that he is with us and for us and protecting us. When I say alone, I mean in terms of other relationships, uh, whether or not we're going to have our physical needs provided for, you know, all of that. If we can have a sense that I can be alone and okay, then actually that, that frees us up to participate in relationship and in community, not from a desperately needy place, but a, of a place more of choice. And I think that's an important place for all of our couples uh, to get to. Uh, I'm not trying to manipulate you so that you will stay because I, I don't know who I'd be without you, uh, but more that I, I, I know I can be alone and okay, but I choose to want to be with you, and I, I surrender whether or not you'll choose to be with me. Mark, as we've reached the end of today's program, if you would, for our listeners, summarize or, or wrap up this desire to be safe. Well, the desire to be safe is... Uh, Inherent down deep in all of our hearts. I think like with all of the desires that we talk about, God has put them in our soul to, uh, in a way, teach us and draw us toward him because he is the source, ultimately, of all of our desires. And certainly with safety, 
Uh, God wants us to know that He is the one that has a plan for our life and keeps us safe. I think, strangely enough, uh, one of the antidotes to anxiety is humor, by the way. And so have a conversation you know, with uh, each other, those of you that are listening, about what are some of the humorous things you do to try to control your universe symbolically. <laughs> well, I think, I'm even laughing thinking about well, some of my... I think when you take a look at some of the crazy things that we do to control our lives, I think that there is a lot of humor uh, within those walls. You've been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. We thank you for joining us today on the Men of Valor program. We thank Ben Laser, our engineer, for his help today as well. And we look forward to joining you again next week on the Men of Valor program. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at faithfulandtrue.com. That's faithfulandtrue.com.